0: Hello there, woman beings, and welcome to the Woman Being Podcast. I'm here today with the lovely Kelly and Kellyanne, per usual, I'm Emma, and we are going to talk about Miss Kellyanne and her experience in getting married after dating a man for four years in the Christian community. (laughs) So, without further ado, let's dive right in. Welcome to the Woman Being podcast community.
1: Where we explore thoughts and opinions. And have the freedom to change our minds.
0: Without expectation or judgment.
1: We will hold a safe space and support each other. As we navigate together in the form of feminine.
0: So Kellyanne. Emma. As a, as a, as a Christian woman.
1: Yeah, as in, a Christian woman
0: in the world today. In a world today where virgins, virgins run to the altar, run to the altar. You made the radical decision, decision. of waiting for whopping years, <laughs> <Four> years. before <laughs> consummating and entering into the marriage bed. <laughs>
2: Correct.
0: <laughs> that is true. <laughs> despite. Four whole years. Yes. Despite the fact you knew you wanted to be married. Mm-hmm. You knew you were going to marry this man. Mm-hmm. And the people want to know, why'd you do it? <laughs> <laughs> why? why did you do
2: it? Why would I do such a thing? Um, yeah, it just... I was in ministry school. I was young. I was, had moved out to California. Uh, actually, we did a year of long distance. He was in Oklahoma and I was in California. It was rough. If you can do long distance, your relationship can make it through anything. Um, it's for real. Any relationship, whether it be romantic, family, friends, anything. Because um, it just takes so much intention. But... I just, I knew in my bones it wasn't time. Um, we were trying to set ourselves up well financially. Um, we had a lot to work through personally, together and not together. And uh, we just kind of followed our hearts and m- marched to the beat of our own drum.
1: Four years, though, man. Like I yeah. feel like, well, at least in the current Christian climate, and this is what I did, so... Is the idea is once you know that yeah. this person is going to be the person you want to marry, you just mm-hmm. get married as soon as possible to avoid the possibility of stumbling accidentally into the sexual bed before mm-hmm. it is time.
2: Yeah. I mean, yeah, I knew I fought it for so long to not date him. We were best friends for a good chunk like 8 months maybe before I finally was like okay I'll date you. <laughs> and I left that date knowing okay this is it. Like I'm never I'm never dating anyone ever again. Aww. Um but yeah, it just we set up good boundaries. We knew ourselves as people and by the grace of God, we made it. <laughs> <laughs> it just yeah, it just seems like Virgins are supposed to get married as quickly
1: as possible in the Christian church. Yeah, but that's amazing yeah. that you guys had the patience and the um, the knowingness to mm-hmm. to do what was right for you.
2: Yeah, it was just like I mean, we kind of got asked the question all the time. It was like, so when are you getting married? Aren't you? Shouldn't you get married? Like, how are? But how are you managing your purity? Mm, that's like, a good one. Yeah. I hated that question because everyone thought it was their business. And especially in the Christian community, it's like, well, I'm just holding you accountable. And I'm like, well, sure, you're trying to hold me accountable, but you have no relational equity to actually, like with me, to actually be asking this personal of a question. But then the people closest to me were almost afraid to ask. So it was a really weird dynamic. Um, But yeah, we did it.
1: Yeah, I feel like that an example of that is people are like, so when are you going to have kids? Or are you going to have kids? Or mm-hmm. what do you think about having kids? Which, it's fine. I don't think it's, like, a bad question to ask. Yeah. But it often feels like it comes from people that you don't really even know at all.
2: Yeah. And it's kind of like, uh, They're like, oh, you're still together? Or, oh, you still don't have kids? Like, it's, like, the same thing. And it's, it's very devalidating of um. both experiences. Of, like, I'm obviously making this choice on purpose. Like, it's not like I'm well, enslaved you- to date him. <laughs> For, you know, it's like we just needed to work on our relationship and,
0: Did you ever
1: feel like there was, like, an undercurrent of, like, why isn't he proposing to you yet? Yeah,
0: I imagine people people being like, yeah, like, oh, I'm sorry that he hasn't proposed yet. Yeah. Like, that type of thing. I mean,
2: there was some of that, yeah, but actually James would have gone to the courthouse to get married, like, in a heartbeat. He was ready. Like he was ready. I knew I wasn't ready mm-hmm. and he was kind enough and patient enough to wait it out. And I, some of it, I also had unrealistic expectations of like, oh, well, I want the beautiful ring and I want to buy a house and I want to do all these things. And it's like, you don't need to do any of that. Like, but also I think those materialistic things were just a reflection of the things, the work I needed to do inside. Mm-hmm. Um, And I was a mess. Like, Mm -hmm. I was 18 when we started dating. I'd moved to California. I'd never lived away from my parents. And I was literally just, like, learning how to be an adult. And somehow this amazing man walked into my life. And I got the opportunity to steward that while finishing growing up. Mm -hmm. And we got to finish growing up together. So Mm -hmm. it was really – it was special. Yeah. That's good. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So – Besides just, you know, taking that time, mm-hmm. taking your time, and waiting to, to be committed in marriage, like you also waited to have sex, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So like, weren't your weren't your loins burning with passion? <laughs> <laughs>
1: How did you manage purity, Kelly? How did yeah. We? Tell us now, <laughs> all of us. <laughs>
0: How did you manage yeah. your purity after telling us you hated people asking? You
2: that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I was super lucky that I lived with housemates that really trusted me, and they weren't weird about a man being in the house. And we we were because of that that trust, it actually helped me feel empowered. And so James would come over, and we'd hang out, we'd watch movies in bed, and close the door and. No one cared, and that was great, and um, I mean, at some level, yes, he was hot, um, and I wanted to jump that man's bones, <laughs> but I also, like, you know, you kind of have that internal conviction, and you know when you've crossed the line, and as soon as you, uh, we had this understanding that we talked through of, like, okay, as soon as we feel that that line, we're stopping whatever's happening. And it, that's the thing about purity, a purity journey. It can change from day to day. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, today, actually, like, I feel great making out. Tomorrow might not feel great making out. And, like, you have to really trust and know yourself. And we made it. We crossed the finish line. <laughs> and also... Too good,
0: Christian... Chillins. yeah but
1: not to diminish that though that's Mm -hmm. really beautiful that you guys made that commitment to one another and Mm -hmm. that commitment to the lord and you did it together like Mm -hmm. i think at least on this podcast we talk a lot about deconstructing all of the purity culture things that sort of negatively influenced our views of sexuality however Mm -hmm. there is also beauty in in you know trusting the Lord in the process, committing mm-hmm. to one another and choosing yeah. and choosing that person as your only person mm-hmm. under the covering of marriage. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I want to affirm that. That's very yeah. beautiful thank that you. you guys did that mm-hmm.
2: and you did yeah. it together thank you And what you have is your own. Yeah, yeah. and God God pushed me a little bit because I was definitely that girl that was like, I'm not so we got together, I moved and we had never like kissed. And so, well, he tried to kiss me once and I was like, oh my God, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I turned. I turned my face you know and he failed. It was so sad Aww. and hilarious. Um, it was when we were just friends too, like at the beginning of our friendship. He was like, oh. and I was like, what are you doing? And he was like, I was just feeling the vibe. Were you not feeling the vibe? I was like, no. <laughs>
0: like, no vibe was felt. What vibe? <laughs> um,
2: so James struck out one time. He Aww. struck out many times Aww. actually. Oh, no. He wore me down. But I was like, Let's just, like, be friends because I'm, like, moving to ministry school and then going to go to, like, the bush of Africa and be a missionary. And, mm-hmm. like, I hate men. I had been hurt and I, like, swore off men. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, what was
0: the question? Dang it. How did you maintain your purity? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> so, um, long story short, we followed those internal boundaries and – um. It was great that we made it. And, oh, I was talking about how God pushed me. Um, so one one day in worship, I was thinking about going home for Christmas because I was going home for Christmas. And God, I felt inside, was like, hey, you actually need to kiss James. And I was like, um, excuse me, God, I've made this beautiful, pure choice. Like, what yeah. are you talking about? I need to kiss James. I don't need anything. And he was like, actually, you you do need to kiss him because you are relying on yourself for your purity um you're you're being very controlling and manipulative with it mm-hmm. and it's and you're actually robbing yourself of something and i was like i don't know what you're talking about and so but uh, the um, obedient good christian girl i was um we had our first kiss on Christmas. It was really cute. That's cute. And first kiss Christmas. Yeah. You guys could That's get a the Walmart name of a movie. Hallmark movie
0: for sure. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and um it was actually really really great cuz it actually I didn't know how my mind body connection was so turned off and it actually started to kind of unfold like for the first time I understood what it's like to feel aroused and turned on like that it just clicked for me Mm -hmm. so for my journey yes I think it was very important Mm -hmm. to have that and to have a little bit of a physical relationship pre-marriage because if I had undone that all on a wedding night or Mm -hmm. honeymoon I would have like had a meltdown and it wouldn't have known yeah
0: it'd be like Whiplash. It yeah.
2: completely would have been whiplash. Well,
1: and that's kind of one of the things that the Lord impressed upon me after being married. Because mm-hmm. I was, like, you the purity girl. Mm-hmm. I was very proud of that. I had the ring. Yeah, I had the purity ring. And, like, we waited. And all that, again, I'm not devaluing the, the beauty of that mm. decision that Ross and I made. But I had this sort of, like, self-righteous perception Mm -hmm. of self Mm -hmm. and the Lord revealed to me like a year and some into marriage that my purity had actually come from him Mm -hmm. that through Christ's blood on the cross Mm -hmm. I was washed clean and made pure not through any doing of my own and he reminded me of that scripture that like your righteousness is like or the, the righteousness of man is like filthy rags is that on our own, regardless of our intentions or our heart. Like, mm-hmm. what we produce is actually not up to snuff. Yes. Whether, whether we're even, even in obedience and, and um, in dedication to God and whatever, mm-hmm. it's not enough. Mm-hmm. And if it was enough, there's no reason that Christ had to come and die. Mm-hmm. So we were insufficient, and because of that, he came... And died for our sins mm-hmm. and washed us clean. So regardless of whether you've waited or didn't wait mm-hmm. or, you know, have slipped up here and there, whatever, mm-hmm. we're, we're sexually assaulted, like your purity is is a gift from God. Mm-hmm. And that was probably one of the first things that the Lord did in my life in, mm-hmm. in starting to deconstruct this sort of purity mm-hmm. mindset that I'd built up and and humbling. my. <laughs> I was very humbled by that because I was like, oh. Mm-hmm. Like I had been sort of wearing it like a badge of honor, like yes, same. We did this thing and we're great, you know. But but totally, ultimately, like it points back to the fact that Christ actually did this thing that Mm -hmm. was great, and because of Him, I can walk in purity in my marriage. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. Sorry, little TED talk. (laughs) It was a good TED talk. (laughs) Actually, um, sort of to rewind a little bit back to some of the things that you said and in the ways that you guys sort of had this. Mutual trust and um, sort of um, openness, Mm -hmm. I think, is something that you don't see in a lot of sort of purity culture, quote-unquote, like, relationships. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that some of the harm in that, which I think we might have touched on in our abstinence abuse episode, but um, plug, (laughs) check (laughs) it out, Um, is that, like, when this thing is become so forbidden and so like built up as mm-hmm. as this taboo thing then once a a guy and a girl get alone together I feel like it sort of feels like a free-for-all because yeah. it's like oh we're finally out of like the watchful eye yeah. of of our parents or our pastor or mm-hmm. whatever and um it turns it into this very sort of intense on and off thing mm, yes. um, in your physical relationship with somebody. And so I think that the fact that you guys were treating this as as like um, a way of trusting one another and the mm-hmm. fact that you guys like were in an environment like with your roommates where it was um, trusting of you guys where mm-hmm. it was like, yeah, you like, you know, do whatever you want. Yeah. Like we don't have like a... No boys in the room policy in our house, yeah. or things like that, which is things that people do have, and yeah. so um, I think is that's just,
2: like fine. Which is fine. You know, yeah, if if that's what on. you're comfortable with, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, but I mean, for me, I, it was a gift because I've spent my whole life feeling like I wasn't trusted, Aww. and so now that it was like, oh, I'm an adult, and I'm I'm not an animal. I can control myself and we have open communication about this it was it was a huge gift
1: mm. yeah. that reminds me too of I remember listening to a podcast and they brought up the fact that in Genesis Eve is in the garden and the serpent approaches her and mm. he's kind of like what did God really say about the fruit of the tree And Eve says, God said, we cannot eat of it or touch it lest we die. Mm -hmm. But if you go back a couple verses, that's not actually what God says. God had said, do not eat of the fruit lest you die. Mm -hmm. And she had added her own addition to his words saying, don't touch it. And I think that's very um, prevalent in the Christian church when it comes to how we handle sin is that we're like, okay, God said, don't eat the fruit. So you know what? I think maybe we just Mm -hmm. don't even touch the fruit. Mm -hmm. And actually, let's not get near the tree. Let's, you know what, we're going to build a fence around Mm -hmm. the tree. And actually, maybe you better just like get out of this portion of the garden and just stay as far away from it as you possibly can. And I think it's important for an individual to have the ability to set boundaries for themselves when it comes to how close or far you can be to the tree, Mm -hmm. quote unquote, um, without, you know, being tempted or feeling like overwhelmed with compulsion to step outside of what you feel that you want to do. Yeah. However, when the church itself comes in and like builds that fence and stops allowing people to like Mm -hmm. get in, you've actually extrapolated on the word of God and it's no longer the word of God. And you've removed people's personal freedom and
2: obeying the Lord and that's religion. No, absolutely. And I mean, I was, part of me was, was like almost terrified because it's like, I am a good Christian girl. I'm following the rules. I'm a one on the Enneagram. So my, Mm -hmm. the worst possible thing is for you to think that I have moral corruption. (laughs) And, um, you know, I, there's so much shame around it and people constantly ask, well, Like, are you bumping the fence? Like, you might be on the right side of the fence, but are you bumping it? Mm. And, like, you know, yeah, dumb things like that. Why are you even looking at that tree? Yeah, exactly. Why are you even set your gaze upon it? And it's, like, no one's asking, like, how is your relationship? Is it healthy? Yeah. Do you feel safe? Yeah. Do you – how's your emotional world? How's your heart? Like, it's literally just about your the physicality of the relationship when, honestly, like, sure, you could have a very physical relationship, but you could still have a – a good conscience and- conscience, or like you know a healthy relationship or a really unhealthy relationship with no physicality at yeah. all like there's so that and I think that's the the thing about relationships and people like while you're pastoring people or you're in relationships like everyone is genuinely so different and that is I think what like my story kind of shows it's like what was right for me could be completely wrong for someone else
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and like
2: that's okay because we all have our own journey and we all get to listen to the holy spirit and we all get to follow our own path.
1: Mm-hmm. So what advantages did you find then in taking that 4 years to wait both on the physical level and just sort of the the relational marriage mm-hmm. level and and what were you able to cultivate Mm pre-marriage in that amount of time that you wouldn't have been able to do within
2: marriage? Well, I mean, in our relationship, I'll say that, um, we knew each other very well. I mean, we were best friends that fell in love, and we got to continue to build that foundation of best friendship. Mm -hmm. And I walked into No Surprises, And James walked into no surprises. We knew exactly what we were getting ourselves into. We knew the good, the bad, the ugly. And that was very reassuring. It's like, I'm not going to marry someone and be like, who are you? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, Which was a fear of mine. Um, On the personal level, with the, the physical side, I actually got to find my home in my own body and really cultivate that intimacy of like being aware of, like, my body and what's happening and what's going on, which, again, if that had happened earlier in marriage, like, if I had gotten married earlier, that kind of would have been a whole mess, mm-hmm. and for myself, I got to finish really growing up and be independent and, um, you know, not just, for me, go into a relationship that could have been codependent, or more codependent, because I think we all have codependency tendencies, but it could have been a mess, and it was not a mess. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. So Mm. I think it was kind of twofold.
0: Yeah. Do you think that, or in what ways do you think that your marriage would be different if you guys hadn't waited to get married?
2: Oh, Mm. I mean, yeah, there would have been a lot more to work through, um we would definitely both be in counseling <laughs> um but I mean I think it still would have would have worked out you know it just might have been a little bit bumpier and like that's okay I'm not opposed to bumpy we
0: have had our own bumps yeah um
2: but yeah it just it wouldn't quite have been time
0: so then as you were going into marriage mm-hmm. what were you expecting You know? Um, Like you had you knew this person so well mm -hmm. and you had taken the time, like you're like, okay, I'm going to we're gonna slow down, we're gonna make sure Mm -hmm. we are doing this um in the right way for us Mm -hmm. and that we are ready for this. Mm -hmm. Um so what did you expect going to that and then like what were things that didn't match those expectations as we went into marriage?
2: I mean, I I think one of the biggest things was we like I anticipated well maybe I didn't consciously anticipate this but subconsciously thought there was going to be a huge shift like you have this amazing day you go on your honeymoon you have sex you go to sleep you wake up the next day and the person sleeping next to you is still the same person and you're still the same person like there's not this cosmic shift. The stars are not wildly aligned. It's it's it feels the same. And I think that's I think that's what I did not anticipate at all. Um I d- I don't know that I actively thought it was going to look any particular way, but I did I think I expected something to be different. But you genuinely feel the same. It's like, oh, I still feel like a kid trying to do the best they know how. Mm-hmm. And I still have the same feelings for this person. We don't feel like we don't have the same thoughts now. Um, <laughs> there's no superpower that comes with sex. I thought that was part of it. You can <laughs> read their mind. Sometimes. 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 <laughs> if, you're um, if you're lucky. If you're lucky. you've been touched by a special angel. <laughs> yeah. The sex angel. Yeah. The sex angel that makes you... The sex telepathy you know, angel. Yeah. Yes. Telepathically of connected. Course. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, and I think that's that was also reassuring. Cause it's like, oh, this is the this is the person I know. I'm the person I know. We've cultivated this together. And now we just get to live together and have fun all the time. Like it I described my first few years of marriage I mean we've been married three and a half years it still kind of feels like this but like it's kind of like a sleepover with your best friend that you've been looking forward to for for a long time and it never gets never has to end Mm. that sleepover just keeps going Mm -hmm. um for myself I had the expectation that I was going to be the good perfect wife that takes care of the husband. And, you know, has dinner ready and keeps the house clean. And because that's what had been modeled uh, in my life with not just, you know, kind of that expectation with my own parents, but with everyone else. But like the wife constantly is stressed out and tired and the house is never clean the way she wants it to be. And the kids are always crazy. And like, but I had this like picturesque idea in my brain and in my mind and Uh, We got married and I had a very serious uh, decline with my mental health and had, uh, I describe it as a breakdown. I had uh, my anxiety that I had had my whole life just finally manifested because Mm -hmm. I felt so safe. Yes, I had been in fight, flight or freeze my entire life and my sweet body and brain was finally just like oh you're finally safe you can process all this crap and let it all out and I didn't know what to do it was crazy and I felt like I was drowning it felt like a shell of a person and the roles were flipped James took care of me James made sure dinner happened he did the laundry he cleaned the house and did the dishes all while working at night and then trying to take care of his sweet wife, who's just a 22 something that doesn't know how to take care of her mental health. Mm -hmm. And so it was very humbling. And, um, I mean, man, it, it, trust like nothing, nothing kicks in like trust when you literally don't know if you can take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, and this person just steps up and chooses to love you and take care of you regardless. Mm. Like, he is truly just, like, an angel. Mm.
1: <laughs>
2: Why do you think that he was able to do that? Um, It's a great question. I don't know. <laughs> you have to ask him. You would have to ask him. I mean, he kind of... And part of this, like, actually breaks my heart, but... He, his dad left when he was young, he um, was the oldest of three, three boys, and his mom was single most of his life, and he just became the man of the household, so part of it is like, oh, he's, he's done this, he knows how to, how to get through things like this, but it also breaks my heart, because I'm like, oh, I don't want to be that burden, and it was like a pride thing, like, I want to be the one that finally takes Mm -hmm. care of you, but little did I know, I needed to be taken care of, Mm -hmm. and to kind of break that down. So
1: can you tell us a little bit more about like what that first year was really like for mm-hmm. you and for him? And like how did your relationship have opportunities to grow in the midst of all of that?
2: Yeah, I mean, well for me it was it was probably about three months in. Three months in and it, it just, for me it started with little things. It started with I don't know how to pick out what to wear. Or like, I can't sleep. Or I, I'm i scared for James to leave the house because I don't know if he's going to come back. Like, and so slowly this anxiety kind of just bubbled up and I tried to press it down and just hold it together and keep it, you know, keep it far away. But uh, for anyone who struggles with any kind of emotional anxiety, depression, you what you push down has to eventually come out. And if Mm. you don't let it out, it will come out on its own somehow, some way. And so I was like a shell of a person. I was like barely functioning. Mm. (laughs) And um, James stepped in and just held me and like emotionally, physically, all the things and just was like, you're going to be okay. Like we're going to make it through this. And that cultivated trust uh still I think is an anchor for us to this day Mm -hmm. of just he's got me and you know there were good days where it's like hey I cleaned the kitchen or hey I like did something and you know I still was going to work and being successful there and I'm very blessed that I found an incredible therapist that I still see to this day um and I will probably see them as long as I can um And, you know, we kind of just slowly, like, I rebuilt myself and we've kind of built a life together Mm -hmm. on that foundation of vulnerability and trust and
1: Mm -hmm. um,
2: humility. And because that's like the last thing you want to happen. Like, we waited all this time. There's all this buildup. I'm going to be the perfect wife. And then we get here and you just fall apart. Mm -hmm. And it's like, this is not what I wanted to happen. Mm But he stuck with me and it's still very humbling to this day to realize like, oh, like I have these things that in my mind disqualify me, but Mm. he still thinks I'm worth it and he still chooses me and he still loves me more than probably I will ever understand and know. And we've stuck together.
0: Yeah. Mm. I mean, and I think that you guys had that, like that, those years to, um, invest in one another and to really know each other so that then once you were married you were able to to already have that foundation in place when things Mm -hmm. were falling apart Mm -hmm. you know and like even though this like anxiety and the struggle that you had wasn't what you wanted Mm -hmm. it sounds like it was kind of what you needed yeah And, and James was finally able to give you that space to do that yeah and um that w- i feel like i in my head like i imagine um obviously like anyone who's committing to you could do that but if if you didn't know them for very long and then got married quickly mm-hmm. and all of that happened like i i could see someone wanting to to run away from that yeah. because they they're like oh this isn't what i signed up for you yeah. know but, but i
1: mean like in the when you're in the mar- marriage vows you You commit to sickness and health. Yeah. Yeah. And so we don't usually anticipate the sickness ever happening. We just assume it's not going to, but, and especially not right away. Yeah. But you guys had that season to, I mean, draw closer together through crisis. Yeah,
2: we really did. And I mean, I realized it takes a really strong person to look at someone in their brokenness and be like, I'm not looking away from that. Mm -hmm. I'm actually going to be here with you in this pain, in this crisis. And you know what? How I feel and how I see you isn't changing.
0: Yeah. Like he knew you Mm -hmm. outside of crisis and within crisis. Yeah. Mm Yeah. Looking back on all of this, Hmm. um, on your past three years of marriage, on your past, what, seven or eight years of relationship? Eight years. Eight years of relationship, you... Is there anything you look back and think you would go and change that? Something that you regret or wish that had been done differently?
2: Mm. Yeah, I mean... Part of me is like, yes, I would change all these things, but also it's like that process is invaluable to me. And like, obviously, would I love to have not had a breakdown? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But also like, I am so self-aware now and I know myself so well and I understand more of the why and like, I wouldn't be here like who I am today without it. And like, I can look back and be grateful Um, you know, part of me is like, well, part of me would love to have gotten married earlier, but then I look back and I'm like, actually, no, like I needed to, to go through the process I went through and we are, we, we have our marriage today because we took our time. Mm -hmm. Um, part of me, uh, wouldn't have spent so much stress on the wedding. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Um, Like, James always was like, babe, we're just having a wedding for Like, he's like, not that I'm not excited, but you're the one that wants the wedding. I would marry you in a heartbeat in the courthouse. And part of me is like, man, why didn't we just do that? And it's like, oh, because we're told from a young age, you're not married if you don't have a wedding. Um, And you
0: look great in a wedding dress. And (laughs) I
2: looked so good in my wedding dress. Um, But yeah, part of me is like, maybe I wouldn't have had a wedding if I went back and do it all over again but also like again I'm just like so grateful for the process Mm -hmm. and like I know that like we haven't arrived and there's not necessarily a destination but I'm I'm pretty pleased with how it's all panned out so far Mm -hmm. we've had a lot of highs and a lot of lows and but like I think that's what I heard the most after I got engaged everyone wants to tell you how hard marriage is and I'm like that sounds like something I want to commit to for the rest of my life
0: mm-hmm.
2: um but literally like people would just be like oh it's just so hard and I'm like frick <laughs> um marriage for me has not been hard life has been hard
1: uh-huh
2: and marriage has helped support me through life now I'm not saying If your marriage isn't easy, it's not right. Like, everyone's journey is different. I can't can't judge you based on, you know, whether your marriage is hard or not. But I would be hesitant to tell any newlywed that marriage is hard. Mm -hmm. I would say, like,
1: marriage is hard in the way that relationships are hard. Yes. Like, live in the same home as anybody. Mm Mm-hmm. And share resources mm-hmm. and figure out how to delegate tasks yes. and, you know, figure out when to watch TV, mm-hmm. to like, you know, compromise on what TV show to watch every night. like Or what the hell we're having for dinner. Yes. Good re- night. Relationships are hard. It's not. Yeah. And, and in that hardness they're also great like I don't regret having friends or having a sister Mm -hmm. or family like it's all beautiful things but just Mm -hmm. like just like I have to navigate differences Mm -hmm. in opinion with my brother Mm -hmm. I have to navigate those things with my husband
2: you know so it's kind of like and just like any relationship you have to invest in it you have to build you have to spend time together like it's just because you get married doesn't mean you automatically have a wonderful connection just because you live in the same household doesn't mean you automatically have a great relationship like you you do have to work at it but it's not it's not like a task it's like a a a joyful journey
1: yeah for sure for sure
2: well I would say
1: if you ever do go back in time, you should try out getting married at eighteen. You know, see what you think. If we just met
2: when I was fourteen, <laughs> you would have had the time to like the time yeah. to get yeah. married at mm-hmm. yeah eighteen. Yeah. <laughs> try it out sometime. That would be wild. I was a mess, and he was oh, fourteen-year-old Kelly, so kind and just stuck with me. Oh, yeah. and yep, I feel too that like.
1: Everybody looks back on their wedding, and they're like... I mean, Ross and I have this joke, at least. We're like, next time we get married, let's elope, you know? Yeah. <laughs> we're like, that was... I mean, but it's easy to say when you've had a wedding. Like, I think it was... Like, we value that we got all our family and friends together to mm-hmm. celebrate us, you know, and all that stuff. But it was like... But then looking back, you're like, oh, it was so stressful. There was all this stuff
2: happening. Yeah. And,
1: but at the end of the day, it's like... Oh, but I got to do that thing, yeah, that people dream of or whatever. Yeah. But it's true. What would you say to others then, mm. who are considering waiting to get married or not waiting? Mm. What's your advice?
2: Yeah, I mean, I'd just say know your reasons, know yourself. Um, don't actually let shame, guilt, or any any external thing actually guide you you have to listen to your inner voice um and you know like you just know in your bones like the day that we got engaged it just felt like it was written into my life story Mm. and the day we got married it felt like it was always meant to be Mm. um and I can't explain why really but like You just really have to stick to your guns and do what you know is best for you. Um, And if that's getting married at 18, awesome. And if it's waiting four years to get married, also awesome. Like, it's going to be amazing no matter what you do, as long as you're following your own intuition, your own conscience, because no one else gets to live the life you do. And no one else knows what it's like to experience life the way you do. And that's why... You just have to follow your heart, which is so cheesy, but I'm like that Celine Dion song, like, listen to your heart. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, Like don't marry a douchebag. Don't marry a douche. Marry an angel baby like me.
0: (laughs) Um, You're the angel baby or you married an angel uh, baby? He's the
2: angel, I'm the baby.
0: (laughs) I don't know. Um,
2: Yeah, just find someone you, like, I know everyone says, like, find someone you can't live without, but like, Find someone that you truly adore. Mm. That you, like, I adore every aspect of you. And I will see you in your fullness of good, bad, and ugly. But the good is really, really just outshines the ugly. Mm. And it's, you know, I adore you. Mm. Like, I, like, being married to someone you adore, you don't have to fight to respect them. You just naturally do. It's like that was a that was an interesting thing for me as a young 20 something figuring out like what is this like respect thing everyone talks about like the leader of the household it's like actually i don't have to fight for that it's not hard i naturally just respect you and you respect me it's mutual all that to say do make the decision that you're going to be happy with 20 years from now and 40 and 60 and 40 and 60 yeah
0: So, then here it is, the question that we have to ask. The question Mm. we've
1: all been waiting for.
0: The people are wanting to (laughs) know. The people (laughs) want to know. Kellyanne. Yes. What does the woman being waiting to marry mean to you? Mm -hmm. Who is she?
2: She's brave. She's strong. She follows her heart. She marches to the beat of her own drum. She'll listen to other people. And what they have to say, but at the end of the day, she's making her own call because she's got to follow her own convictions. And you know, sometimes it sucks, but at the end of the day, you'll be happy. That's what it means to me.
0: I think that's amazing. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And I think you're amazing, Kellyanne. You are amazing. Thank
1: you. And you're amazing, Emma.
0: And you're You're amazing, Kelly. And
2: you're amazing, Kelly.
0: Oh my gosh. And, your amazing and you're beings. amazing, woman being. You're amazing, woman being. And if you're an amazing woman being out there, then you're going to want to follow us at yes. Woman Being Podcast on Instagram mm-hmm. and also check out our website, womanbeingcommunity.com. Um, if you loved getting to hear some of Kelly Ann's story, some of her reasoning, if this is something that resonated with you, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Give us a rating and comment on our Instagram because we want to get to know you guys. We want to chat with you guys. And um, we love hearing your stories and the ways that you've been impacted by our stories and the stories that we bring onto this podcast. So we'd love to hear from you. It's a new we year. Made it through new no longer 2020. We made it through. It's Good not that it's
1: almost no longer than 2020. Yes. We can all
0: celebrate. Take a deep breath.
2: And welcome
1: 2021 Whoa.
0: into our
2: lives. And who knows Absolutely. if it'll be
0: any better. I mean,
2: <laughs> let's all make a pact to not do that thing of 2021 is going to be my year. Like, let's just like. Slide in gracefully and be grateful we're here.
0: <laughs> be grateful we've made it we through such it. a year as 2020. You did it. Such
2: a time. You done as this. did it yes. done. You done did it done. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Anyways, we could ramble on forever, but we do um, actually ramble <laughs> on forever. That's why we have a podcast. <laughs> but <laughs> we'll catch you guys next week. And that's all, folks.
1: Later on.